Chris Hayes, what's the schematter? What's the schematter, Rob? Here we are um, with our monthly podcast on schema therapy practice. Uh, I'm Rob Brockman from Sydney, Australia, and I, with me I have Chris Hayes from yeah, Perth, Australia. Perth. Yeah, yeah. And we tend to catch up once a month and talk um, a lot about schema therapy and uh, practice. We're two clinicians that are in trainers in schema therapy. And um, if you're interested in listening to some of the previous podcasts, have a look at our website, schematherapytraining.com, and hopefully it will all be uh, up online on uh, through Apple Podcasts. So the topic that we have to, for you guys today uh, centers around the issue of we might think of as parent modes um, or critic mm. modes and how best to deal with those. Yeah. Uh, and that this is, you know, one of the big issues as a schema therapist that, you know, pretty much on a daily basis, we're going to come up against, um, we'll come up, you know, trying to help people with very strong sort of messaging in their minds and you know, negative messages, what you might think of as, as parent modes. Um, and the kind of first, the first issue with this, I guess, to, to talk about is how do we define this? Because, you know, um, you know, by a tradition in schema therapy, we, we use the metaphor of, a, of like a punitive parent or demanding parent mode. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed that a fair bit of the literature and some of the trainers are tending to steer into more of a critic uh, kind of mode rather than labelling as a parent mode. I think right, there's some benefits right. from that in, in my perspective at least. I can see that, you know, in that kind of punitive parent, guilt-inducing parent, demanding parent kind of... Um, mode um identification and label it tends to kind of have a you know some probably some you know, unforeseen issues i reckon in, in terms of when you do label that yeah i mean i mean what i always say is um about this issue you know is that you know it's a metaphor when we, when we talk about mm. the vulnerable child you know when we talk about the punitive parent mode all these things we're not saying that there's literally like a child living in our stomach or something. Help, help. Right? I'm a homunculus. Um, <laughs> a little well, homunculus. You know, what, but what we are saying is, is that, you know, this is a metaphor for our experiences. You yeah. know, that the vulnerable child, that's a part of us that feels a little bit like a vulnerable child or yeah, sure. that messaging, which sounds a bit like, you know, a punitive parent message. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when they came up with this metaphor initially, um, it was in the context of, the borderline personality sort of, sort of trials mm. and coming up with the mode model. And I think that that's a metaphor that probably tends to work fairly well for our borderline patients yeah. who yeah. may have had a lot of toxic, very toxic experiences with parent, their parenting yeah. you know, yeah. of their parents. So, and they tend to go quite well with, you know, that metaphor of the punitive parent, for example. And that sort of the idea is that helps sort of externalize that voice Yep. you know, uh, move it r relatively quickly into a zone of it being sort of ego uh, dystonic. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that there's still, you know, times when that, that metaphor is useful um, yeah. in schema therapy. And I think that sometimes when you, you know, if it's a clear link to a particular person or character antagonist and it helps to enhance the uh, diffusion and the, yeah. you know, the pushback from that, yeah. So if it's clearly a lot of this material you've got from your dad who's in your head, um, then that's use, useful. It just sometimes when we do get into the parent sort of talk, 
you know, it might be multiple parents, it could be peers, and then you lose a bit of um, momentum and, and it can often confuse. Yeah, they're like, clients. what do you mean? Like, cause, you know, exactly. So, mm. and the other issue is um, we sort of found that for some of the, the those kind of critic modes or parent modes, um, it's it seemed that there's an issue of lo- what called loyalty problems in schema yeah. therapy that yeah. if if the patient had a very strong loyalty feelings or a lot of guilt induced feelings maybe uh, towards the parents or coming mm. from the parents mm. that this this could um, create actually more more guilt or shame you know yeah. in in linking. Mm. this sort of toxic process to to one of the parents so you know you'd be labeling it as that and then all of a sudden they start feeling more guilty in the session right so yeah and it's a good point to sort of make that you know whilst that you know you are trying to separate these you know internalized messages these interjects you know that's the way i sort of often refer to them um which are separate distance there are parts of the client that have a an attachment to this, you know, the, the, to, to caregivers. And I think sometimes that by talking in terms of punitive, you know, parent, it, it can give, yeah. give those sort of loyalty issues. And So to the degree that the, the patient has quite strong attachment feelings or loyalty to mm. the parents, it mm. can cause a bit of a problem. So mm. this is what we found. Um, yeah. And yeah. It's like any metaphor in therapy, like it, it, it may be useful for many patients, but for many it might not. And the moment you realize a, a metaphor doesn't work or it's unhelpful, then mm. you know, I'll drop it very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So this, this has led to, um, you know, as you said, a lot of train, people in the training field of schema um, starting to just teach from the word go um, critic modes, you know, rather yeah. than parent mode. So we'll use those words interchangeably a bit. Um, yeah. Here today in the, in the yeah. podcast, you know, when we talk about critic modes, you know, it's, we're talking about those kind of parents. We're talking about parents, yeah, parent um, modes ordinarily. Now, something the... we also found, if I can just quickly mention, is cross culturally. Mm. Um, uh, I've been lucky enough now to do level one or level two workshop now quite a few times for the, over the last four or five years uh, in Singapore and Hong Kong and other places. And one of the things I found with, um, with applying the model in that sort of context is that they're much more likely to hit problems with that at that sort of parent metaphor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So much so that I basically just teach critic modes now. Over yeah, there. right. Uh, I so do the quickly, loyalty is, but the cultural loyalty to Yeah, parents is because a there's a lot of that sort of cultural yeah. message of hierarchy and, and yeah. parental loyalty and yeah. uh, what they call filial piety. So okay. uh, we we sort of find you're much better off in those kind of cultural contexts, just going straight for, you know, the idea of the critic. The critic. The, and yeah, so, so it the, becomes the punitive critic, the demanding yeah, critic, cool. the guilt. So we're still splitting up the critics into the different, you know, sort of um, constructs of the demanding yeah. and punitive. And, and yeah. we'll probably talk a bit about the, the, the guilt inducing critic that a lot of the Dutch um, presenters have talked about as well. Yeah. But yeah. still those three constructs within the critic. For sure. For sure. So yeah. going along with this theme, um, I thought today um, it'd be a cool sort of way of um, framing things. It's t- the title of today's talk is Critic Modes, uh, Friend or Foe. Mm. Now, I have to acknowledge one of our, one of my colleagues in Sydney, Sharon Stern, who she submitted. Um, we, we have a um, schema therapy at the Coalface conference coming up in April, and then she submitted an abstract around this, and it's very close to my, to my thinking. So I really yeah. like that, and I yeah. wanted to acknowledge the title. So, and it, is, it comes around to the idea of, you know, are there times when we might want to look at other ways of dealing with the critic? Now, 
Uh, I thought the best way maybe to start today was to talk about, you know, Chris, in your work, um, you know, often the times it's the case that we're going to need to start to stand up to the critic in the therapy, you know, the standard schema therapy way of dealing with mm. the critic voice. Um, you know, clearly there are times when that's the approach that might be needed. Uh, can you talk about that in your practice? Yeah, well, I do a lot of trauma kind of work. So often it's more abuse and it's formulated more of a punitive parent or punitive critic kind of um, mode. So I guess the sentiment is you're bad, you're worthless, you know, this is internalised, interject, you've heard this being said to you in direct or indirect ways and ultimately a client is having that kind of mode activation, maybe when they're making mistakes or particularly if they're feeling vulnerable, um, you know, I have the punitive critic kind of, you know, saying that you're useless or you're needy or you're a problem or you shouldn't be over this by now. So um, the, the sentiment around the punitive, you know, critic is really that, you know, there's something wrong with me, I'm to blame, I'm bad. Yeah, um, I, I get less of the demanding um, critic. So could we do um, even yeah. a sort of little role play now? Just yeah, yeah, like if I was sort of yeah. played the critic yeah. and we'll say that the, let's just example patient Jenny, like, and I was yeah. just, you know, and I was a Jenny. critic voice and I'm saying, yeah, you don't know, Chris, you don't know, she's just crap, like she's yeah. nothing. She's yeah. never going to make anything of something. She's nothing. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty much bang on. Yeah, this right. sort of stuff. So, And what's the sort of sentiment? Like what's the... So it has a punishing, de- blaming, demand, uh, less of a demanding sentiment. So you can, um, so it's more of a, a, you know, I would say sort of a, a shaming. Um, and feeling, now your approach, of, like coming, at, you know, as a schema therapist, what's your uh, initial approach? Dealing with that. Okay, so I guess, look, ultimately you want to be able to diffuse that and be able to say, well, that's dad in your head. Um, and that's the first step, I guess, being able to client get the client to be aware that that is, isn't, they didn't come up with that on their own. But, and then I guess if we're dealing with that, you know, the, the classic kind of traditional way that we would, you know, manage that if we're doing chair work or through imagery work is a much more adversarial kind of stance. Typically we go yeah. in and go, you're wrong, leave her alone. You know, I can handle you just fine. Um, if we're doing chair work, we would be sort of taking the chair out of the work, out of the room, this sort of thing. That would be the... the, the and something I've, I've sort of noticed from that. working with you, Chris, is a lot of it's about the tone of voice and the sort of determination. Yeah. You know, yeah. more so than, you know, anything you're going to say. Yeah. You know, in terms of content. imagery as well. Yeah. So if we, even if we're looking at doing, you know, managing the punitive mode, um, punitive critic mode in, via imagery rescripting, you know, the same sort of thing. We don't want to necessarily have to get too angry. We don't have to go, you know, full guns blazing. We just want to be, you know, determined and uncompromising. That's mm. the kind of chestnut, what I say to everybody in terms mm. of we're dealing with, um, you know, these the sort of punitive kind of mm. uh, mode activation. Yeah. And are there occasions when you might want to show a little bit of annoyance? For, you know, as a therapist with that side. Yeah, yeah I, that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah. You just want to, if you're if doing that. the need uh, was um, maybe validation. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you could say, I'm, I'm really angry at you. You're treating her like that. You, if you're doing yeah. empty, empty chair work or yeah. you're just gesturing and saying there's a side of you there. And I'm angry at that side for giving you such yeah. a hard time. Um, I guess the, the only thing you would really want to be aware of and clear of that you're not angry at the client. 
you know, you're not directly, no, I'm so angry at you. What's wrong with you, Rob? Always, you getting you're it? always speaking to the empty chair, right? Yeah. When you're, when you're actually impeaching a side or uh, yeah. standing up to a side. Yeah, so impeaching, this is a good thing. So tell me more about that because this has been more of a, the, the German uh, influence in schema therapy. And I think you put this into the, the book that you wrote. I know it doesn't, I don't know. Tell me more about the impeaching element. Look, it's just some language that, um, that sort of our co-author um, Eckhart Rodiger sort of uses in, in his writing. And I, I really like it. I mean, it's, mm. it's a sort of idea of, um, of, of setting a really clear boundary or, you know, yeah. something like that um, yeah. with a side. But it doesn't sound overly aggressive either, which is, mm. is that, you know, you're doing so in a kind of measured way, in a, you know, yeah. very limit setting way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's not sort of control off the handle or losing control yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. So in a very controlled way, localizing, being it's uncompromising. planned right. sort of um, pushback Dominating. against some sort of negative force. Mm. Yep. You know? A bit good. like what's going on in America at the moment. Yeah. Like yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what confuses me sometimes. I'm thinking, hold on, how does this work? So, yeah, but I think that, you know, when we're dealing with that kind of um, punitive side, one thing that we don't want to do as therapists is – uh, we don't want to lose and uh, lose the exchange. So if we're, you know, we don't want to, if we're doing experiential techniques and we're like, don't talk to him like that. That's not very nice. You know, we, that wouldn't be winning That's the exchange. That's not very nice. Yeah. yeah. So you have to, I mean, I guess if you're going to take that more, you know, um, setting very clear assertive boundaries with, um, with a critic, you know, let's say a punitive critic, mm. um, you can, might have to channel a little bit of that healthy anger in your in, in the way that you're going to be um, setting boundaries and, and being quite assertive and determined. Yeah, yeah, that side. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you probably want to watch for that and sort of get a feed, you know, maybe uh, feedback from the client a little bit whether you're you're doing that. But I guess being steadfast in your opinion as well. Look, I know this side of you is saying that you're a, you're worthless, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it a bit because I like yeah. you. I want to spend time with you. And, and actually, I don't believe anybody's worthless. I don't believe that, that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think anyone should be treated this way. Yeah. That's yeah. that kind of determination. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, that's the, so, the so let's kind of stay with this for a moment. So we've yeah. got this kind of some ideas about winning the exchange mm. and that the level of assertion you're going to give needs mm. to really match mm. kind of the tone of the critic and plus one kind of thing or plus some. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I guess if we, they're quite toxic, you mm. can't be going in like a bit of a mouse and sort of, come on, guys, you know. Mm, mm, mm. I guess we just need to watch how far we go with that because, uh, you know, in my experience listening to a lot of tapes of people do work, they can either go under, you know, underwhelm the clients and, and the the reviewer of the tape, or they can go overboard. Like lose their so crap this, at the critic. Like full yeah, grade. so this is just, you know, bring it on. I've got you. You know, I can't speak to my client anymore. Like, the, you know, really right. overdoing it in experiential work and this sort of stuff. And it, that's, you know, yeah. it's too much because like we said before, there are other modes at play and I don't necessarily – you know, think we need to demonize um, the parent or, you know, necessarily, you know, get into a massively kind of um, adversarial. I mean, you do need to get adversarial. Look, but, you, you know, you you know we stand on the shoulders of giants whenever we do any scheme of work. You know, we, we are, you know, standing on the top of like Jeffrey Young and people like that who are awesome in the way they formulate the model. Um, and... 
but having said that, you know, if the classic, you know, Jeff Young tapes, you know, um, Little Pam and stuff, mm-hmm. the idea is sort of like, what's wrong with you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, do you feel that there is a place for that for some critics? Um, is that what's needed? Look, I think in the end it needs to be tailored to the client and I think it needs yeah. to win the exchange. Sometimes you do need to go quite direct and firm. You know, sometimes it, it, it's, you know, that's the other thing is that we're, we're talking a lot about experiential sort of stuff, you know, and I think that mode work is is also just being able to gesture. It might be just gesturing, going, there's dad in your head and just, you know, just noting the mode and moding so here's out the without thing. A, You said something really important, I think, which is mm. it needs to be tailored for the client. Yeah. And how do we do that in schema therapy? It's all about, you know, what does what does the client need to hear right now? Yeah. Like what do they need in this interaction? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be different for every client depending on their, their particular need that's been triggered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's something to keep in mind. You know, mm-hmm. is this going to hit their need? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and that's going to be different. Now, we're going to have to get feedback, that means, because mm, mm, we don't always get the need right or we mm, don't read it. I mean, we can't. We, we can't. Mm, as much as we try to be in their world, mm, we can't, mm, we're not them and we just don't know. Mm, I, want, I want to self-disclose. Um, I kind of learned this me. by failing miserably <laughs> on more than one occasion. But mm. the one that sticks in my head, I remember dealing with this, uh, let's say, a patient um, with a very strong bullying theme. Yeah. And... Yeah let's say it was a perpetrator or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't really don't like bullies, you yeah. know, so here I am getting triggered off. Yeah, I think, right. right, I need to go and set limits on this bully. Yeah. I just yeah, couldn't wait yeah, to get yeah. in. I'm like, right. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. I'm like, right, you know, you're out of here and, you know, all this mm. kind of stuff. Mm. And then, the, you know, Prius always in the pudding, you look over at the patient and watch their face. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it had made her, it had made her more scared. Made yeah, her right. Vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, got yeah, in touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, I looked over and I said, well, you know, what's going on for you? And she, and she just said, basically, I just needed to get out of here. It's unsafe yeah. here. I don't yeah. need you to talk to him at all. I just yeah. need to get out of here. Get out. Yeah, right. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I realized like, at that moment I'd yeah. come in with my own preconception mm-hmm. of what she needed, mm-hmm. but I was putting my own needs in there. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, just someone needs to stand up. Right? Yeah. And that, yeah. that wasn't what she needed. You know, you know it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I went to a, it was a weird situation, but I, I went to a party a couple of, you know, a while ago. Can't imagine. Thing, a dinner thing. I right? can't imagine. It was, yeah, look at me. So dancing, <laughs> just before I was just dancing on the table. Yeah. But it was at this, at this dinner, right? And they did some, it was a, for this event, this, you know, I won't go into the details, but there's a, they were sort of trying to break up the tables over there and get people to know each other. So some guy sits next to me and it's a, it's a basically a, a fathering, it's called the fathering project. That's the, you know, that yeah, was on. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and this guy sat next to me and he was talking about his life and he's, um, you know, um, he's not in from this field, he's, you know, from a, you know, different type of field. And he was saying, um, Talk about his life, da da da, a little bit, not self-disclosing about stuff. And I told him what I did, and he said, oh, "I went and saw a, um, a psychologist, uh, uh, you know, um, last year, and he she did this imagery thing with me, this this stuff with me." And right. I'm like, really? You serious? And what like, are the chances what? of that? Anyway, I got talking to him, and he had a lot of anger issues. He was saying, and he said one of the things that he got from the imagery, which is very strange, was something similar to that. He said that I realized through the imagery that my daughter didn't need me to go down and you know, get kick, kick off with the teachers. I just yeah. need, she just needed me just to come in and just be there for her. 
And right. I thought that was the same sort of theme. In his own parenting. Of, yeah, in his own parenting yeah. response because he would find himself getting really overwhelmed and, and then flip into some angry child himself yeah. or, you know, some over, or some So it's so interesting that our own needs and schemas I think might colour things a bit. Mm, yeah. Sometimes can come into the imagery. So be aware of that. Yeah. Our core goal is, is to meet the needs of the child. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to mean maybe coming in, doing a little bit of something, Mm, and then mm. get you know getting that feedback early as you can. Yeah. How's this landing? And mm. and I always find you know that the sort of non-verbals are usually give it away. Yeah, you'll either see them and you, they'll be looking at you like crying or sort of um mm. you know with smiling almost and tears strolling down the face like someone yeah. gets it right yeah. that kind of look yeah. on the face. Yeah. Or they'll be shuddering a bit and sort of yeah. like, oh that's kind of squirming. Yeah. And that's when you probably know you haven't hit the right need or, or that it might have overshot the mark a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, ask for feedback. You know, could it be mm. that we need you know, that mm. kind of thing? So mm. Mm. Definitely, definitely. So, so some cool ideas there, I reckon, you know, mm. for thinking this very, very tricky um, issue through. Mm. I think, yeah. you know, so I guess the one thing, though, is that we get so hooked in just the experiential stuff. Some of it is just mode work and we have to just do, be in mind that mode work doesn't necessarily have to be an experiential thing or a set piece play. It's about breaking stuff down into, you know, what's the critic saying? What's the, what's the punisher saying? You know, yeah. and, and being able to diffuse that and, and clocking that. So that's another yeah. thing I would suggest, you know, for myself is as soon as I'm noticing any self punishing or self um, blame, I'll clock that notice it and conceptualize that as the punisher or the critic, you know, the, yeah. the, the whatever, you know, mode, you know, in terms of the punitive uh, critic mode, you know, and, and, and get them to be a lot more aware of that. I think that's just a, well, there's a big one too, like, actually, we should probably discuss, um, which is really what, what, what are we hoping for here? When we deal with a critic, like I, I always think, I mean, it's kind of nice if it doesn't show up, but, you know, we don't want someone to never feel shame or guilt mm. or like yeah, for healthy. those emotions to be gone, yeah. right? Because, yep. you know, maybe that could be problematic. And, mm. you know, when I've ever had patients that look at me and say, I never feel guilt, you know, yeah. I never beat myself up, doesn't matter what yeah. I do. Never. That always feels really? weird. Um, <laughs> exactly. And sort of, you know, not, not in a judgy way, but in a way that's like uh, not healthy. Yeah, because it's healthy to feel guilt and shame. Especially I mean, if you've hurt someone or, exactly. made, you know, something like that, made a really big mistake. Amends. Yeah, so sure. you know, in the face of that, what are we what are we looking for? And I always find healthier people say things like, you know, yeah, when when I hurt, you know, someone or whatever, I do feel bad, and and mm. you know, there'll be a period of time where I feel guilty, and I'm sort of beat myself up. But relatively quickly, I start to think about what I might do next. You know, maybe to yeah. repair things, or yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. that's what we're looking for in a healthy mm. individual. And if they're just stuck beating themselves up. Mm, then they mm, don't get mm. to the next part, which might look like more like healthy adult behavior. Yep. So if we but mirror that yeah. in terms of what we're going to try to go for as therapists, we don't want to eradicate this side, but mm. okay, first of all, now this mm. follows a, some ideas from, from the contextual schema book around mm. what a healthy adult mode looks like. Yeah, right. Yep. And yep. one of those things is, is based on self-awareness, like schema awareness, mode awareness, mm. mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. so step yep. one, as you point yep. out, has to be, I have to notice, notice it show up. Mm, mm, I have to mm, notice my critic mode show up, be able to label it, conceptualize mm, it in my mind, hold it in my mind. Ah, yes, that's my critic. Here yep, it is again. Yep, yep. And that's the very first step. Otherwise, we're just going to be stuck in it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, the big problem with patients is when you point out that side and they look at you and they go, well, it's true, I am shit. Mm. You know, I am, mm. I am worthless. Like mm. what that side said is not a side, that's a reality, mm. right? Mm. You know what I do with that? I do. do, this, do? Is, this is a bit of an EMDR thing that I, because I do, I mean, EMDR um, practitioner too. I'll get a, um, you know, a, a, a dollar, or maybe not a dollar, maybe 50 bucks out of my wallet. Okay. Yep. And I'll, it's hard to do this uh, on, on the air, but you can imagine that I'm holding a $50 note and I'm scratching yeah. it up and I'm sitting on it and I'm saying, you're a useless, you know, horrible little girl. I hate you. Something's wrong with you. And I'm speaking to the $50 note. Yeah, yeah. And I'll throw it on the ground. I'll stamp on it, you know, yeah. spit on it, you know, and then, you know, and before I've Very asked dramatically. this, before <laughs> I've asked this, I'll say, how much is this? And they'll say 50 bucks. And then I'll do all this stuff. And then at the end of it, I'll say, how much is this? It's still 50 bucks. And this idea right. that, you know. You're so still- no matter what that critic says, how much is a spits on you or, you mm. know, the sort of material that spits out. You have worth, you know. Yeah, you're always yeah. worth. Yeah. You're always so Joni Spearing's uh, just a, yeah, a nice one. I mean, it's a bit, especially yeah. the experiential bit, the mm. drama of it. But Yeah, exactly. Um, but people look at it and go, yeah, right, I'm still 50 bucks, even though whatever does, whoever, you know, the, and the idea that, you know, I think the, the idea that you didn't come up with this stuff on your own, you know. Um, so I reckon the the key then has to be, the very first step has to be getting people from a, from a stage where they look at you and they go, no, I am shit. Like yeah. they go, you know, it's true. That's mm-hmm. not a side. That's reality. Mm-hmm. We have to get it to the stage where they can start operating like the mode work, right? They can, they yeah, exactly. can see that that's just a side of it. There's a part of you. There's a part of it which is saying that. Yeah, and that's the yeah. message and I understand where it comes from. Yep. So this is a necessary step. Mm, For mm. some people, maybe that's that's enough mm. to get mm. them moving and get them mm. a bit diffused and, and distanced mm. from that side. Mm. So in schema, we would call that sort of distancing. Mm. And yep. then when we start to sort of put them in touch with maybe some of the negative consequences of that side on them, yeah. then that's when we're going to really try to flip it into something that's more sort of egodystonic yep. where they can yep. see that, you know, some some of that side's kind of costing them. You know, it's, it's wrapped up in problems. Hey, is it worth um? So we talked a lot about you know the more punitive critic. Um, what's your take on um, you know more demanding critic? You know, in terms of right. Um, well, I guess this is you know. So the punitive critic can be um, obviously it's so strong, and you know we're going to sort of look at all these different ways of dealing with it. Demanding critic for me um, seems to often be a little bit more sort of functional maybe language mm. around you know you can do more you can do better yeah. that kind of thing because it links um, into that friend or foe idea i think that the, the the punitive you know critic would be a foe but a demanding critic possibly not right I mean, right right so you know if we think about this idea of um um you know okay maybe we can go skin it this way like so think about you know, I'm going to ask you this question, right? So this sort of um, very direct, assertive way of dealing with critic modes, right, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, can, can be sort of modelled even on that, that really that Jeff Young videotape type thing of mm-hmm. what's wrong with you and really going after it. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all had, as schema therapists, probably had the experience of that going well mm-hmm. and the patients looking at you and they're like, yeah, you get it and, like, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it's great. But what about, like, you know, those patients for which that's going to fall flat in some way? 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the times that that is, is if the more that the critic's more along the lines of a demanding critic, or yeah, maybe right. even a guilt-inducing critic, yep. rather than a punitive critic, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get it fall flat. Yeah, and it could even, it could fall flat and it could go the other way too. You might create a lot more, hold on, well, you're being too, I often get the, you know, the, the feeling that the client's like, well, that's too much. Right, <laughs> right. Know? So and so and responding often, to that feedback, it's gold. Yeah. Because yeah, you're going to yeah. know, well, we've kind of been plus, too. I mean, you're going to know this from the formulation. You're going to know, like give me an example of mum and dad, if you've got a blaming, hostile, critical you know, shaming kind of parenting experience versus a, I mean, the demanding parent really is coming from a, I just want you to be the best version of yourself kind of yeah. thing. It's it's yeah. pressure really. So it's not going to be coming from the same place, but it's often a very uh, interchangeable thing for some therapists. And I think, you know, we want, if we find often people might do the schema mode inventory and things like that, yeah. and they might have the demanding critic and the Critic, I probably would suggest to formulate as a punitive critic just because there's going to be a, a shaming and blaming kind of mm, tone. Yeah. But if it's a more of a demanding critic, you know, we're going to be, you know, sort of saying thanks for the input. Um, All right. This know, is an important issue, much. I think, because so I guess where I'm going with this is what I've found it's made a lot of sense on occasion um, to think about critic modes as maybe having some kind of function in some, yeah. some, some proposed, supposed positive function that, yeah. you know, it persists functionally. It's there for a reason. Exactly. It gets you going. It pushes you to, you know, try harder, you know, and that's what the intention of the parent probably is, is to, you know, I know you've Even done if that. the real parent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They've learned this, you know. Wait, or oh, the other thing to think about this as well is I do think there are kids that have got a temperament of getting it right and they get there is a, a, a temperament factor and it's, yeah. and it's the parent hasn't responded to the needs of look listen let it go they've just let them kind of continue being like this so that's interesting in that kind of sense because i think from experience you know you could easily get kids that are kind of like meticulous and want to get it right that don't have the parentals of hey let it go have some fun right right way around yeah you know, so yeah yeah well yeah i guess sure i mean i've thought that too there's, there's definitely mm. cases where there hasn't seemed to be any of this influence Mm, mm. Um, and but on those occasions, it seems that there hasn't, as you say, there hasn't been enough parental guidance, as in yeah. to say, you know, pull it back a bit, or yeah, exactly. um, you know. So often, there's been maybe a little bit of emotional neglect in there somewhere. Yeah, where, or is it explicitly rewarded because the kids have done, you know, have done well. And this is yeah. another thing: is that by know, school the demanding. Yeah, the demanding parent, you're going to be, you know, doing well in your career or you're doing well at, at school because you are putting in and you are trying the very most. So let's can. go with this idea for a minute of can the critic be functional? Because the sort of standard schema approach, even with demanding critic, is, is, is that all critic modes are toxic. They're, they're mm-hmm. bad for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're a sort of um, toxic message from the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. sort of messaging that your brain is soaked in and now mm-hmm. it just keeps sort of spitting it at you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you think about, you know, if you just think about the demanding parent for a second, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm personally convinced that this is seen as functional in some way by the patients at least. Yep. You know, that they'll go along with, look, it's there because it's, it's going to motivate me to achieve. Like without that demanding side, I don't mm-hmm. think I'd achieve anything. I don't think mm-hmm. I'd get out of bed. Yeah, right. Or, 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or I'd be too fat or, or you know, too skinny mm-hmm. or, you know, that wouldn't be the right, you know, body shape, weight, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So they very much see the demanding side as having some sort of motivating force yeah, in their personality, you know. Component, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's relatively easy to see with a demanding critic, but mm. obviously with a more demand, sorry, with a more punitive critic, it's a bit harder to see that. But mm. we'll mm. ask you, you know, thinking about even the more critical demand, you know, sorry, critical punitive voices. Mm. Have you come across any patients in your work with PTSD where that voice seems to have, you know, at least thinks it has some positive function? Well, I mean, it is you know, to, for my personal experience as well, and it's, a, it's something to to think about um, for your clients. Is sometimes it will sound like a punitive, you know, critic mode. So you've got a, you know, I had a client who is um, very religious and would be very blaming of himself for having dirty thoughts and and for you know doing sinful things. And yeah. on paper, it sounds like a punitive parent, but more, and I treated it like a punitive parent, yeah, you know, for for months. You know, there's a, yeah. that's your dad in your head. But the guy didn't really have that much of a, you know, an experience of a punitive. Like of a know. dad like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they had to look clean to things, you know. But as we went and got, got to, to know the, the system a bit better, it, it came out that that way of being was a control thing. And right. I think, you know, this is something that's definitely coming out a lot more in terms of Susan Simpson's work with eating disorders yeah. and this idea of... Um, you know, like an over controller, you yeah. know, being like a Scrooge mode, the, the, yes. you know, the, the, uh, scalding over controller. I feel or, better if I treat self flagellating over controller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there are times when Ow. that messaging is clearly self-flagellating me. perfectionistic, right? Like, but there's a, you know, if you go with the demanding parent thing, that mm. there is a sort of, very clear that it's a demanding parent mode mm-hmm. um, versus, you know, it must be perfect or like where yeah. the, the connotation is more al- along the lines of the coping mode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could wrap it up in the coping and then say, right, that's why it's functional. Yeah. Um, but, you know, are there times when, when, do you believe this or not? Do you think there are times when, when the critic voice itself, let's say the punitive critic yeah. where, that message is is serving some psychological function. I don't think now. I think that right now, even with a demanding parent, I think that can be augmented into a healthy adult, which is, has more you know realistic standards mm-hmm. and can sign off and let go of things. I think that sometimes, as a kid, I think that people can be very self-blaming as a way to to get it together. So, you know, mm-hmm. for example, the little boy that's crying, you know, in the toilets, blaming himself, getting angry at himself because he's worried about coming outside into the playground and getting yelled at, mm-hmm. you know, that at that time that could have sent, sent some sort of purpose, you know, and I think if, so that's where I would see it at the time that, you know, b- blaming yourself to keep it together and like that could serve some sort of purpose. Mm-hmm. But, and also look, you know, I think we've all had those moments where we kind of might blame ourselves and flip into this sort of angry kind of be angry at ourselves. Mm. You know, maybe, you know, you could argue that that's a part of the healthy adult too, that we have, sometimes we really do need to pull our heads in, you know, and be angry at ourselves. And it might be punitive and set limits to ourselves in that mm-hmm. way, but it's not a pervasive style. But I don't know. What no, do, what no. Do, well, hopefully, you? I mean, the idea is that, 
that message kicks off and then, mm. and then your healthy dog comes in and, so yeah. then, you know, takes maybe a piece out of that. These yeah. other things. Sometimes there's mm. a sort of um, a grain of truth in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the healthy dog goes, okay, well, mm. maybe, you know, I did something wrong or I should mm. feel guilty about that. Mm. What are we going to do with that? Because mm. you know, there are than, some other uh, approaches that would see self-criticism as a coping or as a healthy thing. Well, it's not that it's healthy. Sense. When I say functional, I don't mean healthy functions. Well, you know, what I mean is some sort of it, functional. Yeah. it thinks it's helping. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if you interviewed yeah. the critic, mm. it's going to say things like, you know, I need to be here because otherwise she won't sh- ship up and shape out, right? Mm. Um, mm. Whatever it might be. And so, you know, other and, therapies like EMDR... Um, mm. ACT, mm. compassion-focused therapy, mm. um, internal family systems therapy, mm. um, coherence therapy, all these other approaches take a little bit more of a functional approach to yeah. things like critic. Mm. You know, so mm. some, some of the one, some that I've seen myself and heard in the literature mm. would be things like, you know, if I beat myself up, then no one else can get to it first, right? Yeah, and right. Keep yeah. my head down and mm. you know, don't get too big for my britches mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, another one is to maintain uh, a connection with yeah. my, with someone or my caregivers. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I beat myself up, my caregivers uh, are more stable yeah. and I can maintain yeah. the connection and my status in the family. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- these are some that I've sort mm. of seen around. Um, mm. So I think it's worth sort of thinking about functioning. Now, now, I guess this alludes to something, why might this be important? That if you can pinpoint a function mm. for that side, Right. So, you know, you can say things like, you know, um, I know why you're here. You mm-hmm. know, I know you're here because you think that mm. if you keep beating up Jenny mm-hmm. and, and saying bad things about mm-hmm. her and, and, mm-hmm. and shit on her, mm-hmm. then she's not going to have the confidence to pipe up right. and she won't need to get disappointed. Mm-hmm. By so it has a, a historical, it has a historical kind of relevance. And yeah, I guess that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's and, what and I, and I think that's true. thinks yeah. it's helping. Exactly. Yeah, but right. it's not helping because yeah. it's actually screwing up her life now. Yeah. Yeah, so you get to yeah. say that, you know, if you can pick out the function, if you yeah, kind of know that absolutely. and they, they yeah. kind of go with that, yeah. you're doing your chair work, one yeah. of the approaches is, number one is, look, I think you think you're helping, you know, mm. because when little Jenny was small, like, mm. this is what was going on, mm. right? Mm. And a part of that was that she needed to stay small mm. or whatever, mm. whatever it could be, right? So you would particularly go with that with demanding or guilt, possibly guilt-inducing. Guilt, I mean, so this, this is the thing. It could be, for any, of them. Of, could be yeah. for any of them. Mm. Like I've seen something like, like over 10 different versions, like different mm. proposed functions, mm. critics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and what I've found is if you understand the functions, then mm. you bring that into your sentiments. Mm. You can say, basically, look, I know your game here. Mm. I know what you're all about. I know where you're from, mm-hmm. right? And, on, uh, you know, on some level. On I know some where you level, live. I know you live <laughs> on some level. I think I think you think you're helping Jenny, mm. you know, mm. and maybe you did on some level, like in the past. Mm. But what I can tell you right now is it's not helping anymore. Mm. In fact, it's it's wrong and mm. it's hurting Jenny, and I won't mm. have it anymore. It has mm-hmm. to stop now, you know. So you can use that information to both be a little bit more compassionate mm. towards that side, as in understanding the fun- yeah. the historical functions. So you, you get into the balance because I guess in terms of some listeners might pick up on being too accommodating for a punitive mode. And right, I think right. that that's a problem. If you're too accommodating, yeah. 
and too understanding. I understand that you you just you know that might not necessarily win. Well, the exchange. I personally tend to go with a standard scheme approach first mm-hmm. with a punitive mode, isn't? Mm-hmm. I go in relatively assertive. Yeah, and I see, and then see I'm looking to see their response. response. I'm sort of getting feedback, and then yeah. I'm thinking, do we need to dial it back a bit? Yeah, inexperiential stuff. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then the other thing is, mm-hmm. in my mind, we have this thing in our training where we talk about, you know, the four parts of linear reparenting. Yep. And on the right-hand side of that... Is Which are they? To our listeners. Who are they? Which ones right, right. are they? So on the right-hand side you right of now. that, <laughs> you'd be thinking about um, empathic confrontation and, and clear limit setting, right? Yep. As being the more sort of limit setting functions of, yeah. of being a parent or a therapist. Yeah. On yep. the left-hand side, we're talking about sort of providing care and compassion yeah. and attunement uh, and maybe guidance. guidance and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So think about those, those two ends of a pole, mm. right? Yep. You know, what we're talking about is... Ordinarily, we got we come into an image, or we're going to do some chair work or something, and, and sort of address a side. Mm. It's going to be fairly assertive, and we're going to come mm. along on the right hand side and setting a kind of boundary with a side. Mm. Okay? Mm. And if it's a very toxic side, like if you're doing an imagery with, a, let's say, a perpetrator of sexual abuse, you're going to yeah. come in and be very, very direct and very, very upsetting, so, and yeah. you're going to mm. make it safe regardless. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, but then thinking about, you know, if you dial it back a bit, mm. you know, if, if it was more like a demanding parent, mm. you might be coming in and just more, do more like empathic confrontation. Yeah. Look, I know there's a side of it, like I know where you're coming from, mm. you know, maybe you're anxious about grades, mm. but at the end of the day you're not really helping and I need you to stop mm. now. Mm. Okay. Now we roll it back even more. Let's say it was a parent with um, who just didn't know any better. He didn't know how yeah. to deal with emotions or something. Yeah. You might yeah. even come in in a bit of a guidance role and say, hey, yeah, get know, him some help. Yeah. I'm get because, some help. You know, I'm good with emotions and kids and stuff. I yeah. don't think you know it, but, you yeah. know, the way that you're dealing with Johnny isn't, isn't right. Yeah. It's not good parenting and you mm. need to listen to then his feelings a bit more mm. and, stop, mm. and stop telling him to shut up every time he, mm. he tries mm. to talk about his feelings. Mm. So that would mm. be a bit more of a guidance role. Yeah. And then all the way back to, like, mm. imagine a critic where mum's, in the corner, got schizophrenia. Mm, mm, voices. Mm, mm. Just going to come in. You're not going to be like, "What's wrong with you?" Exactly. Right. You're going to have to adjust your style in in exactly. the image, and yep. it might even just look like providing care. Yeah. You might yeah. come and say, "You know what? Yeah, you can't do Mom this. Mum needs help right now. Yeah, I'm going to help she, her. Mum has mm. a serious mental mental health problem. Yeah. And right yep. now, we're going to get mum the help that she yep. needs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. so I've come to think that it makes sense to. To apply that model of, of limited reparenting mm. even within the mode dialogues. Yep. Yep. In, in, yeah. in, in the experiential techniques. Yeah. And I think it's sort of being able to be dynamic with that and still have the corrective emotional experience in the end. So you're thinking in the background, what does this client need? They need to be still. Be dynamic up with that. Um, yeah. And the other thing is always seek feedback. Like from the, you mm. know, as you do, you're going to try something out and you're going to get feedback. Um, and don't be afraid to fail it. <laughs> Yeah. Because if you try something and it doesn't work, mm. that's one of the things that can happen is the therapist gets mm. disheartened and thinks, oh, crap, mm. you know, mm. I'm out of here or I don't want to do, you know, mm. work in mm. imagery anymore. Mm. So it's not, you know, there are going to be times when you can't pick it. But and also the formulation. Well, I think the other thing is the formulation, sort of being able to look at a formulation with the clients and actually does that sound like that fits? Because you can yeah. head up a lot of the later experiential work or, you know, this sort of 
stuff later on if you've got a good sound uh, formulation where the client feels that fits. So, so this know. is an idea of like, um, you know, there are different ways to skin a critic. Mm. It depends on the, maybe oh. the functions of that critic and some of the, mm. the features of that critic and how it works for them. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I've got one little topic maybe we can throw in there before we start thinking about finishing up for today, mm. and that is the guilt-inducing okay. critic because this is one of the newer yeah. ones that sort of come into the literature and, and some of the training space. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like this, is, this would fit. I mean, like Jeff never really included this in the model and I know that this is possibly a cultural kind of um, variant. You know, and I know, I know there's a couple of Dutch trainers that um, kind of come from this position, whether there is this kind of, you know, guilt, you know, guilt tripping kind of parent. A guilt tripping critic, yeah. You know, yeah, where the client might feel, oh, I just feel bad for, you know, spending time with my, you know, away from my kids or I feel really bad that I didn't do a good job. It's, it's not like I'm shamed and I'm, you know, I feel bad as a person but there's this sense of kind of pressure and it's not yeah. doesn't fit for a demanding parent so nah. it doesn't fit like oh i should be trying more and achieving more so you're in this sort of limbo between these two yeah, so sometimes i mean the message is things very subtle and it's even one-liner mm. do we say something like um you could have helped mm. like you see yeah. someone maybe in distress or like mm. let's say a homeless person or something in the in the yeah. tube and yeah. then the, the voice would just say something like you could have helped yeah and so then that'll be enough self, to set off all this guilt and oh, you self-sacrifice or uh, you know, possible emotional deprivation yourself. You know, this might be something that you know, relates. This sense of can I feel, yeah, sort of yeah, responsible. Or, you know, so, how do that. you address this? Let's say you've got a um, let's say you've got this um, in an image. There's a parent who there's sort of more implicit messages of guilt. Mm. Okay, so yeah, maybe so, so yeah well, you know oh, you're going out with your friends again are you okay so this is the imagery exercise yeah. you might be doing imagery and oh you see going out with your friends no i'll be fine i'll just i'll just stay here and i'll just eat eat here alone again rob yeah i'll just stay home and i'll just have some baked beans or something mm. you go out you go out rob you have a good time have fun with your friends mm. Oh, this kind oh of thing. I'm fine. I'll be now, fine. How are you going? How are you going with this, Chris? Like, as in a, as well, a therapist, I feel how like are you I'm impeaching my, this side? You're going to come in. You know, what's the tone? What's well? What's the, at least the way that I kind of work with this sort of side is, I would be advocating for the the client. So in share work or imagery, or just the general kind of gist, I'll be highlighting the idea that you know, be advocating for the, you know, it's a la- you're allowed to go out, have said sometime. Yeah. You're allowed to be, you know. Um, doing what you need he's you're allowed and sort of so you so might he, come in and say to the mom look you know you need you need to to stop doing that even mm. if it's subtle you know mm. little johnny is allowed to go out with his mates he's 15 yeah. years old and yeah. it's a normal thing and he shouldn't be made to feel bad for that exactly so advocating for the needs of the 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 client with the imagery and, and calling out this kind of subtle behavior that the parent's yeah. doing yeah, yeah. And in terms of, you know, kind of being able to, in terms of awareness and mode awareness, being able to kind of get the client to be aware of the linkages between maybe, you know, doing what they want to do now, you know, in that sense, they're kind of feeling guilty, you know, this, yeah. that, there's a guilt in Jesus. That's that, the guilt trip. <laughs> no, it's the guilt trip mode. Yeah. 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 yeah how about Makes you? Sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So. Well, this has been fun, Chris, talking mm. all things critics. Um, yeah. 
today mm-hmm. and you know i think i think we've you know we've covered quite a lot and that sort of thing um is mm-hmm. there anything else you want to discuss today before we start to wrap up no look you know it's been really nice having a chat as always um if you're interested in um maybe giving us some feedback drop us an email at uh, info at skimtherapytraining.com we uh, do workshops around australia and asia we are doing things all through 2020 so have a look at our website again www.skimtherapytraining.com and there's lots of events lots of material there looking forward to next month uh, and our next uh, what's the schemata uh, what's the uh, schemata and we'll figure out another uh, interesting topic. I'll see you then. See you later. Bye.